0: When I was 16 years old, the church that I attended in Louisiana went through a church split. It was one of the most troubling times for myself as a believer, really, not just as a teenager. I wasn't quite sure what I was witnessing. It was awful. That's not the most encouraging illustration to start out with, is it? But I think it's important to consider the fact that the Lord gives us instruction in the New Testament because His desire is that the body remain unified. And I'm not just talking about the unity of the body in here, right? I'm talking about the unity of the body of Christ as a whole. And I was, the Lord had me thinking a lot this week about how seriously we take his instruction. That we need to really measure the fact that every single Sunday or Wednesday or whenever we have the opportunity to open God's word, it is his word. And he is very, very interested that you and I not only take what's there, but that we obey and apply what's there. Does that make sense? It's his love letter to us in order that he might frame his church. There's a certain way that he wants those that say that are are his. There's a certain way he wants us to walk and to live. And in this series that we're we're doing on making disciples and what it means to be a learner and how that works out in my life. These aren't just nice little lessons that are put together. God's very interested that we listen and obey. And he's interested that we listen and obey because these things help us as believers to walk that trail in order to please him. It's not just a a book you're holding in your hand today, or maybe you're holding your phone and you're looking at it. It's the word of God. And if we are going to make disciples of others, we have to be a disciple. We have to be a learner. And we've been talking about this whole process, right, that making disciples is what God tells us to do. And we understand that. It's a a command that he gives to us. And so... As a learner, as a disciple, then I am to invest my life in others so that they in turn invest their lives in others. I personally think that there's a lot of confusion in the church about this subject. I think there's a lot of confusion on what is my role. In other words, everyone in the body of Christ has a responsibility to make disciples. It's not just a few. It's not like, You know, Jesus didn't say to his disciples, hey, just a few of you. I'm going to pick out you, Peter, James, and John. No, he said, you go make disciples. I love the promise he gives to them. He says, I'm with you always. I think sometimes people look at this whole disciple-making issue as, well, that's for the professionals and the pastors and such, and and the Lord would disagree with that. (laughs) It's for all of us. All of us have that responsibility to be learners and to make learners. And if we're going to make learners, we have to be a learner. And some of these issues that we're talking about um, come up over and over and over again in our lives as Christians. And this first issue does. The issue of loving one another. I want you to go in your Bibles to John chapter 13, and that's where we are uh, that's where we were last week, and that's where we are today. Sometimes it's important to do review, and this morning is one of those times to just kind of make sure everybody's on the same page, that the Lord wants us to make disciples, okay? And, and if we're, as we're doing that, as we're teaching, we need to understand what the commands of Christ are. So that we're able to pass that on to those that we're discipling. So that in turn, they're able to pass that on to those they're discipling. Um, And so we start with this issue of love that um, the Lord brings up in the context of the upper room in John 13. It's just a few hours before the cross, and, and the Lord has his disciples with him. And as we talked about last week, after Judas leaves, then Jesus gives this command... In John 13, in verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And we made a couple of observations about that that are very important. Um, we said that Israel was given the command to love Look at the bottom of of the verse in Leviticus 19. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That was the command, right? And the measure of that was love love your neighbor as yourself. Well, then you come down to John 13, 35, and he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So the Lord changes the object from neighbor to one another. And the one another's in that room at that time were those that were true disciples of Christ. Absent Judas. I want to give you some other verses. I didn't give these to you last week, but I think they're very important because it's not just a command that the Lord gives to his disciples, but it's obvious that John got it. He got it. In fact, if you were to read 1 John, he goes over loving one another Almost in every chapter. Love one another, love one another, love one another. When I was 16 years old and saw that division take place, man, there wasn't a whole lot of love going on. You know what was going on? A whole lot of biting. Man, people were biting at each other. It was ugly. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but that's the reality. That's what Satan wants to do. Do you know that? Satan wants there to be division. Paul says in Ephesians that the unity of the body is essential to health in the body. And how does that happen? It happens as we do what the Lord tells us to do. And so John got that, and he says, Hey, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. In fact, I call this section the agape section. Because that's the term he uses from chapter 4, verse 7, through verse 21. Agape, agape, agape. Go get your Greek New Testament over and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're one of those reading that letter, you're like, Okay, John, we get it. But isn't it funny how it works out in our lives as Christians? We get it, but then we need to get it again. And we need to get it again. I told a guy years ago, he was teaching through the New Testament, and he was a younger guy, and he said, well, I feel like I'm teaching the same things over and over again. I said, you are. Because we need those things. We need to be reminded of the importance of obeying the command to love one another. And then notice what it says, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Agape love is distinctive to believers because it's God's love. The only way that I'm able to agape love someone is because Jesus Christ has taken residence in my life. That's it. See, the world has this whole other thought about love, and it's all connected to emotion. But as we're going to see, like this morning, in some of these uh, terms that relate to agape love, it's not emotion. Now, there was a whole lot of emotion going on. In the church in Louisiana, when they were biting each other, a whole lot of emotion. But man, that flesh was just getting out there. You notice as you get older in the Lord that, man, you can tell when that flesh is getting out there. You're like, oh, man, it's ugly too. So he says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And then he says in verses 11 and 12 of that same chapter, Beloved, if, which is since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time if we love one another. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. That whole love one another right there twice. We ought to love one another if we love one another. You ever looked around the body of Christ and thought, man, I just nah, that's really that person's really difficult to love. You should have seen it in that church when they were going through that split. Man. I've often wondered if those people ever like turned from that and started loving one another cuz I left a couple years later. And I thought about that a lot this week. How many people in the body of Christ have been separated because of sin and not ever made that right? You ever thought about that? I've thought about that. I didn't think about it for you. I've thought about it for me this week. I'm like, Lord, is there anybody? Do I need to call anybody? Because the picture in the New Testament of God's church is a picture of unity. love one another says it again down in verses 20 and 21 of first john if someone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar and remember what we said about agape love agape love is active love it does for others we use the example of of husbands loving their wives right it's not just she doesn't want to just hear hey babe i love you In fact, I'm not sure in the 32 years that Teresa and I have almost been married, 32 years. I'm not sure how much that's... And she's not in here. I can talk about her today. She's in the nursery. I'm not sure in the 32 years when I've said, Hey, babe, I love you. If she's ever gone, Oh, I love you too. I don't know that I've ever expected that. But I do know the love language for her is not just saying hey babe, I love you, but showing it, doing things for her, right? Well, that's what agape does, love does. He says, if someone says, I love God and, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, this is pretty heavy stuff here, cannot love God whom he has not seen. There aren't very many ways to read that, are there? And then he says, and this is the commandment we have from him. John knew. He got it from him, face to face. This is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. And don't you know, if we had the Lord with us here today, we'd say, Lord, him and her? You mean all of them? You mean those people that I ran from, that other church, I didn't love? All of them? Yeah, all of them. So when you think about the commandment, it's pretty tough stuff. because It's not just the people that we feel comfortable with, but we're to love one another, meaning brothers and sisters in Christ. Then we said, not only did the object change, but the measure of the love he defines is, as the Lord loved us, right? And so he tells his disciples. Verse 34 of John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. He says, even as I have loved you. That's the measure. So in the upper room, he did what? We talked about it last week. He washed their feet. But then he was about to demonstrate agape love in an incredible manner, he went to the cross. Can I just make a comment? I don't like the way people treat the cross today. It's it's just looked at, it's like it's just flippant. You know, the cross is a picture of a lot of there are a lot of words to describe the cross. It was brutal. think about this he took what i deserved and he took what you deserved wow you ever just stop thinking wow oh lord i deserve that cross but you took it for me we said last week not that jesus used the term agape to describe the kind of love the disciples of christ are to have for one another That term agape love, and this is where we pick up for today, agape love is God's love. It's a sacrificial, unconditional love that is displayed by what it does. Well, there are verses in 1 John, interestingly enough, that talk about this agape love in relationship to Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that it's 1 John 3.16? You ever thought about that? Because what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall what shall not perish but have everlasting life then you have first john 3:16 we know love agape love by this that he being christ laid down his life for us huh. I mean I've had people ask me through the years hey that would you die for anybody probably not Right in our flesh, man, no way. But the Bible says, we know love by this. See, Christ is the measurement of that. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. (laughs) What? Man, that's radical language. Any of you look at that and go, that's radical. That's radical language. But we ought to be willing to do that. According to what this verse says. In that culture, in that time, people were losing their lives for Christ. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Another verse, 1 John 4. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. And then he says, in this is love. Now I want you to notice this. Not that we loved God. That's not the right order. God loved us first. Right? God loved us first. Not that we loved God. Then he says, but that he loved us. And you look at this demonstration. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And you look at that big word and you go, what in the world does that mean? He sent His Son to be the satisfaction for our sins. That's what it means. The only thing that satisfied the wrath of God was the blood of His Son. That's a pretty high price. So, the measure of His love is given to us in 1 John as well. One author put it like this. Agape, unlike the other three words used for love in the Bible, is not a feeling. It means doing what is best for someone despite your feelings for them. You know, I don't always feel like serving Teresa. There's days, can I be honest with you? I don't want to serve Teresa. You know what I want to do? I want someone to serve me. That's how the flesh is. But wow, agape love is just a whole different level. Isn't it? Let me show you how different the level of agape love is. Let me tell you about this word. All these different characteristics come from this term agape. So this is a big word. We need to get to know this word. First of all, agape love is an act of the will. It's a volitional choice. It's like this. You get up and you make the choice to go to work. You say, "Well, no, I don't. I have to be there." No, you make that choice. Don't you? You ever wake up and have a headache? Wake up, have a stomach ache? Yeah. You make a choice. It's an act of the will. It's a volitional choice. Ultimately, as one theologian put it, it's an act of obedience. So then I get up every morning and I say, Lord, with your help, because I want you to understand this, guys, agape love is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So if I'm to have this agape love, which is apparent from 1 John and from Jesus' command... The only way that's going to happen is if I get up in the morning and say, Lord, help me to love your body, because that's what it is. It's his body. Help me to love your body today. Secondly, agape love involves a daily commitment. It's a daily commitment. It's an everyday, day in, day out. It's the same Thing that uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says, Be filled with the Spirit. You know, being filled with the Spirit is to be under the control of the Spirit, and that's every single day. So there's a daily surrender required. I was telling someone, actually, two or three people today, you know what the hardest issue is for the believer in relationship to obeying the commands of the Lord is dying to self. Agape love dies to self. It involves a daily commitment on my part and on your part to say, Lord, I need to display this love. Now, you're going to see the weight of this command in just a few moments. So it involves a daily commitment. It's a volitional choice. Thirdly, Agape love sacrifices for others. Look at this last part. Even though it may not be deserved. It sacrifices for others. Even though it may not be deserved. In other words, agape love is not earned. It's not something you earn. You know, I don't have these little coupons that I give to Teresa. And she gives them to me and I say, oh, you've earned this now. That's not how it works. Agape love is something that I wake up daily and I say, Holy Spirit, control me. Help me to agape my wife today. Help me to agape believers today. So agape love sacrifices for others even though it may not be deserved. And then, fourthly, agape love is not about our needs but God's will. (laughs) Wow, you read that one? First thing I thought, that runs counter to our culture. Would you agree with that? That runs counter to our culture. Because our culture says it's all about you. Individually. You ever watch the movie Hoosiers? It's a great movie. If you never watched it, go get one of those, what do you call it, red box thing and get it. Great movie. In the movie, Gene Hackman is the coach for Hickory, right? And they make it all the way to the state finals. And um, they're playing a team, huge, huge team from Indianapolis, right? And so they're playing in this final game, and just before the game starts... Norman Dale, who is gene hackman right is there with his players and they've been through a long road to get to that point and he has them in a circle and a few of the players had shared right about what they were playing for and he gets all those guys in a circle and he looks at them and he says i love you I thought about that. I thought, wow, we do that. As Christians, we get people in a huddle, other believers in a huddle. We say, I love you. But you know what's the difference between the world and us in terms of agape love? We can demonstrate it. We can show it. Because agape love is a sacrificial love. It puts others first. It runs counter to the world's thinking. And then fifthly, agape love seeks the highest good of one another. It seeks the highest good of one another, which involves humility of mind. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul wrote this to the believers in Philippi. He says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. I couldn't help but think all week long and last week, man, these are some tall orders from the Lord. Any of you have that same mind? These are tall orders And make no mistake, they're orders. He's the one that's in charge. And so he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. That's what agape love does. It humbles itself. Then he says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. So it's not that we're not to look out for our interest. Sure. But we put... Others first. That's what the verse says. Let each of you regard one another as more important than self. So agape love is an act of the will. It involves a daily commitment. It sacrifices. It's not about our needs but God's will. And it seeks the highest good of another, which demands humility. Now I want you to notice the weight of the command. Notice verse 35. Of John chapter 13. I want you to see this. The weight of the command. So he gives them the command, right? Here's this scene. The disciples are with Jesus in the upper room. And he's leaving them his last instructions before the cross. And he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then verse 35 he says, By this, all men will know... That you are my disciples. Circle that little phrase, my disciples. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, my followers. In other words, there's a distinctive trait that runs through the life of believers, and that is agape love. Agape love defines us. It looks across the aisle, and it says, I love that person. He says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. Notice the end of the phrase. If you have love for one another. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm good with the command. I'll work on that. But while wow, when the Lord spoke those words in 35, it's like, whoa. What? The command itself is impossible to fulfill without the Spirit, and then the Lord adds on top of that, and He says, Hey guys, by this, all men will know that you, plural, are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. You ever wonder how the world sees the church today? You ever thought about that? How, how does it be interesting to just pull some really radical pagan people out there? That right, you know, we're just make believe, right? We bring these people in, and they and we bring them. In, hey, what do you think about this body? And pretend they all knew us. Well, man, I think this, and I think that, and I think this. You know, there's a lot of fracture in the church today. That's what the world sees. A lot of fracture. A lot of fracture. So expressing agape love to one another is weighty. It's a key component, I put, in our witness to the world. It's a key component. So the picture that the world needs to see of the church is that we're washing each other's feet. That's what they need to see. Look at verse 35. He says, by this all men will know. That word know in 35 is an interesting word. It does not refer to theoretical knowledge. It's not theory but to knowledge gained by first-hand, real-life observation. You know, the world sees us loving on one another when there's a funeral. You talk about good opportunities for the world to see love expressed, where we're rubbing shoulders together. Not everyone who attends a funeral is a believer. A lot of people need to hear the gospel. But you know, they make observations about us at funerals. They make observations about us, right? In our daily lives. And how we treat one another and how we treat our spouse. So the idea of this word is... First-hand, real-life observation. What are they seeing in the church? What are they seeing in our lives as believers? When I was 16 years old, you know what the people in the world were seeing? Fracture. It was all over that town of about 80,000 people. Hey, have you heard about that church? Man, they're fighting. And there were droves of people that knew everything about what was going on from their perspective. And the sad part, guys, yeah, this is a sad story. The sad part is not only did the church split, but to my knowledge, there was never any mending of the fences. You say, oh, that's unrealistic. Really? Do we believe that with God all things are possible? He heals fracture. He does that. The great physician, that's not a problem for him. He does that. And I know this is hard to hear. Because as I was going through this, and I'm taking it out to its ultimate, I'm like, okay, Lord, if I'm to love the body, if I'm to love one another, in the context here, he's talking about loving other believers. And so some are really easy to love, Lord. Some aren't. And do you know there are times that I might be easy to love? We'll just say that. And there's times when I'm not easy to love. Amen? It's the truth. Three thoughts I want to leave with you this morning about agape love. Agape love is based on obedience, not feelings. Based on obedience, not feelings. Not one time did I ever feel like doing what my dad said to do on Saturday mornings, which was devoted to work. Every other kid in the neighborhood was playing, but not that. He was working. I didn't feel like cutting the grass or pulling weeds out of an enormous garden. But the issue wasn't how I felt about it. The issue was that my father said, Do it. Hey, can I just give a little brief commercial? I'm almost done. Brief commercial. Kids, it's not optional to obey your parents. Unless your parents are telling you to do something outside of the will of God, right, to go and do something awful like that, obey your parents. Obedience. You might not you, you're not going to say, "Well, Dad, I just feel like taking that trash out today, Min I feel like Dustin. I feel like Vag. No. Who wants to do that?" But it's obedience, and it's the same with our Heavenly Father. We can be honest, right? and say, man, Lord, I, I don't really want to do this whole love thing, if that includes the whole body. I mean, I'm good with it if it's this section and this section, but these people? That, I mean, isn't that how it happens, though, in just real life? I didn't like this lesson, you probably don't either. Man, it was, it's rough when you think about the scope of it. Secondly, agape love is complicated by our (laughs) self-absorption. Oh my goodness. I don't know who wrote the song, but the country song, It's All About Me. Wow, that really describes our culture well. Don't know who wrote it, don't know who sang it, but they did a good job. Because it is all about me and our culture But you know what Jesus was telling, now listen to me, this is very important. You know what Jesus was telling those disciples in the upper room? It's not about you, it's about the one next to you. (laughs) Agape love is complicated by our self-absorption. Do we really need to go into that? We all understand we're really selfish, right? That in the flesh it's pretty ugly. That it is all about Thad when he gets up in the morning in the flesh. And then I meet Teresa and she's like, It isn't all about you. Agape love is complicated by our self absorption. And thirdly, agape love is defined by what it does. It's defined by what it does. There was an individual in my life, I'll um, say years ago, that this whole issue just came to the surface. And I was forced to deal with it. And I was like, because I had, the Spirit was convicting me. He's like, "That you're not loving this person like you need to be loving them. And, and I'm like, you know, you have to respond to that, right? When the Spirit convicts you, you have to respond. So agape love is defined by what it does. I'll close with this illustration. Dawson Trotman, he was the founder of Navigator's. Um, He lived in the early 1900s to the mid-1900s. He was on a visit to Taiwan on one of his overseas trips. And he was going back into the villages with one of the national pastors to just have time with the, the pastors and try to encourage them and teach them. Well, on the way out to these villages, the roads were muddy and they were wet. And so he's walking along with this national pastor. And they're getting wet and they're getting muddy, but at the end of the road was all these pastors that needed that encouragement. So sometime later, after Dawson went back home, the Taiwanese pastor was asked the question what do you remember most about Dawson? Without any hesitation at all he replied he cleaned my boots. Now we look at that and we go ah he cleaned my boots. That's what agape love it does. It does. May the Lord by his spirit help us to love one another with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, this is a very weighty issue because it's something that we come face to face with on a daily basis pretty much. And I confess, Lord, there's been times in my life where I've tried to avoid somebody. That's <laughs> just the flesh. It, and I, I, I do that. I admit it. It happens at times. But, Lord, I know that's not what you want. You want me to express my love to others the way that you loved us. Lord, you gave yourself up for us And when I think about it in terms of the fact, I did nothing to earn that. I'm a filthy rag. And yet, Lord, you love me so much, you went to the cross, and you paid the penalty. You paid the debt that I owed for my sin. There's no way I could even make the payment. (laughs) You made it for me. And I just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for making that payment for me. Thank you for giving me a picture of what agape love does. It does the hard things. And Lord, we admit that we're, we like being comfortable. And yet, Lord, sometimes... It's good for us to be uncomfortable. Because that's when we know, Lord, that you're working in us to refine those things in us that need to be refined. And I say, first of all, I need help loving these believers in Christ in this room. I need your help. And I need your help to do that beyond the walls In your body. I need help to do that. I cannot do that on my own. Lord, when I think about life, the things that people say in their last few hours, we pay attention to. We can recall in the last few hours of your life on earth before the cross, you told your disciples to love each other. And then John repeats the command over and over and over and over again because I believe he understood division. And he understood at the same time the importance of unity. And I pray that you would help all of us to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace By your spirit. Helping us. In our everyday life and walk. Thank you for everyone assembled here today. May we obey. The commands that you've given to us. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray all of this. Amen.